0: Actually a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary, group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions eighteen plus.
4: Welcome back into the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM, Stormy Tony and Wes Reynolds here on a Tuesday live from our VEASAN studio at the South Point. And we've been talking a lot of NFL throughout the course of the morning here so far, but there has been obviously a lot of drama in conference football, apparently in college football, um, this past week with the news that Oklahoma and Texas are trying to leave the Big 12 and head to the SEC. And then, of course, earlier today, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey announced that the formal requests have been submitted. And I haven't got to check in with you at all on this situation yet just how do you feel about the potential of those two teams
5: you're kind of used to it by now look i'm old school i liked when the big 10 actually had 10 teams and you played round robin in terms of not only football but also basketball you had a home and home but those days are long gone texas and oklahoma obviously trying to get into the sec where it's much more lucrative financially it's a much better television deal so uh Pretty soon we're about to pour one out for the Big 12, because I'm already seeing some speculation on my timeline. Uh, Kirby Hokut, the athletic director at Texas Tech, has had private conversations about joining the Pac-12, possibly now, that that's going to be maybe their landing point of Oklahoma and Texas, who have now declared their intentions to go ahead and go to the SEC. So it's going to be different, and the the conference is going to end, because, of course, remember the Big 12, All those years ago, they were a combination of the Big 8 and then the old Southwest Conference Mm -hmm. with all the Texas teams that joined, and then Arkansas went to the SEC, so that formed one conference, So now the Big 12 looks like uh, it's going to be going away at least sooner rather than later, not necessarily this year, but the dominoes are falling, so you would expect a couple teams are going to go to the Pac-12, a couple teams maybe end up in the Big 10. Uh, What we shall see here, the rumors have been Iowa State and Kansas uh, could be potentially big 10 bound, we shall see. But nevertheless, the big 12 is not going to be the same without Oklahoma and Texas. So now you're kind of looking, it's been fun to speculate like Oklahoma from a football because football obviously drives the bus for this decision from a financial standpoint and an interest standpoint. But Oklahoma, if they went to the SEC right now, I know they've lost in the college football playoff to SEC teams the last mm-hmm. couple of years, but they'd be fine. Mm-hmm. They'd be right up there near the top, you know, maybe just below Alabama. They'd be up there with Alabama and Georgia and Florida. But if you look at Texas, because Texas is always like that that shiny new toy under the Christmas tree where it has so much potential to be fun, but they end up disappointing you. But because they're Texas, they get the benefit of the doubt. Like if Texas was in the SEC right now, they'd be probably the sixth best program in the conference. They'd be kind of right around where Auburn is because they'd be below Alabama. They'd be below Georgia. They'd be below Florida. They'd be below LSU. So they'd be the fifth, sixth best program in the conference right now. So Steve Sarkeesian, the new coach there in Austin, going to try to get it right this year with this Texas team. But Oklahoma, the clear favorite, and I think rightfully so. I picked them in terms of the Visa College Football Betting Guide, which will be out later this week, Mm -hmm. where I've been writing a couple conference previews for that. So I think Oklahoma is going to be in the playoff this year. I think you have some teams improved in the middle, but I think they're the clear consensus favorite and should get to the playoff.
4: Yeah, I'm with you there. And Sankey said that the league is not actively pursuing. Pursued new members, but would pursue, quote, significant change yeah. if there was a clear consensus among our members that such actions will further enrich the experiences of our student athletes and lead to greater academic and athletic achievement across our campuses. So, there He's you saying, go.
5: Define pursue <laughs> for me. Uh, you know, uh, have they called us or we called them? So, that's the nice political answer that you would expect the conference commissioner of a major uh, sports conference here in college athletics to give. But, nevertheless, It's not a surprise, and look, Texas and Oklahoma, in terms of football, are the programs that obviously drive the bus in that conference, Mm -hmm. so they're going to be the ones, so the dominoes are going to fall after that and see where these teams end up. Uh, Just always, I mean, it's just almost absurd geographically. It's like you're going to have Texas Tech potentially in the Pac-12. And you're going to have, you know, some of these teams. But look, you have West Virginia in the Big 12 when, you know, you've got all these teams kind of in the Midwest and in the Southwest. And then West Virginia is kind of the geographic outlier. So uh, we shall see. Uh, I'm also excited for you that you're going to be doing some college football for the worldwide leader this fall. So definitely stay tuned for that. Yeah,
4: I'm excited, too. Um, We'll see what conference I end up covering primarily. I know last year I was all in on the BYU Cougars. You were
5: the BYU (laughs) beat reporter, yes.
4: I had so many just BYU fans reach out to me like, are you going to do all our games? Uh, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. Um, and remember, a vote does have to take place um, in order for those teams to be able to join the SEC. Once again, this is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM, Stormy Bonantoni, and Wes Reynolds with you live from our Vison studio at the South Point talking all things college football right now, primarily with just the drama that is ensuing with Oklahoma and Texas wanting to get into the SEC. They have officially submitted their proposals, as uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey has shared. But it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out, particularly because I don't know about you, but I'm somebody who I'm a big fan of mid-major conferences, and I don't want to see some of those have to go away or what the ripple effect is when it comes to that.
5: Because, obviously, a couple of those teams, like a Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. where would they end up? Would the Big Ten be interested in a Cincinnati? Or if the Big 12 kind of wants to stay alive here a little bit, would they be interested in Cincinnati? Because you have a lot of these, you know, middle majors just under that top tier of the top five conferences, like the American Athletic Conference, like the Big East now Mm -hmm. in basketball where, you know, you have to put these teams together to kind of survive because, uh, I mean, we, we had the – I'm used to like the old school Big East in basketball where it was all Northeast teams. Yeah. Well, now you have Creighton in the conference. Well, now you have Butler in the conference and you have when, Xavier. Uh,
4: San Diego State try to get into the conference yes, at they, some point? Yes, how they, would that work?
5: <laughs> they did. So, I mean, that, that's what's happening here. And you make a really good point, Stormy, in terms of how this is going to affect the Mountain West how this is going to affect the American Athletic Conference, how this is going to affect Conference USA, so it's like you know, all these programs are kind of looking to get in where they fit in at this standpoint and, and you know, they just want a home here because I don't think anybody wants to really be an independent other than Notre Dame and football because it's financially lucrative still at that television deal with NBC, so you know, none of these teams, I mean you look at some of these independent teams like the Liberties of the World, they want to get into some kind of conference and, and see where they're going to end up because obviously you get more a piece of the television Mm -hmm. pie. I I know that a little bit from working at Indiana university in the athletic department in terms of that big 10 network money, you know, from that TV deal standpoint, it's not maybe as important to Ohio state who has a huge football Mm -hmm. revenue and can support all these varsity sports, but for kind of a middle to a second tier program in the conference, like my alma mater at Indiana, those television money is like life yep. to them. You you need that money to be able to upgrade facilities and maybe endow some extra scholarships invest back into the program. It's a drop in the bucket for an Ohio State or a Michigan. But for an Indiana, I mean, there's always haves and have-nots. Even within the Power Conference, Indiana is kind of, I wouldn't call them a have-not, they're half-less mm-hmm. than somebody like yep. Ohio State. So it's going to affect everybody. I mean, this is a seismic change when you have two major big state universities like Texas and Oklahoma wanting to declare their intention. Obviously, you mentioned they have to be voted into the conference, and we'll see. You know, maybe so if that is.
4: They're going to say no. Yes, um. yes.
5: It's like we don't want to share our money with those guys, <laughs> our television money, because that's what that's what this is all about, Stormy. This is all about television money in terms of of what you're going to do. Because these TV rights fees. Look, we had a year of, of COVID nineteen, and it's still not gone away. And the tv money is able because it's so lucrative to keep a lot of this stuff alive but eventually these schools are going to feel it at the gates with not fans coming to the stadium so hopefully that happens and the current pickle we find ourselves in doesn't mm-hmm. get worse and we get full stadiums this fall
4: okay one final question about this before we dive into just the big 12 as a whole um I- i'm curious as with a 16 team conference like do you think that's they still do two divisions or is it four yeah or it's, like...
5: gonna, it's gonna mess up all the <laughs> scheduling because i even you know and maybe this is sour grapes here as an indiana guy but you look in the big 10 and you have kind of like a division in balance right now because you have ohio state michigan and penn state in all the same division, So it's like if you're Indiana and you've been progressing a little bit of a program, you're always going to be considered the best number four in that division. So there's all kind of divisional imbalances that you've got to work through. And with 16 teams for football, I mean, just seeing with the SEC how many teams they have now, it's hard because you don't get all those marquee matchups. So because they're in different divisions, you're not always going to get Alabama against Florida. You're not always going to get Georgia against LSU. So you're going to get that like every few or several years so you know, I think it's good for college football to have more of those matchups. I mean, you look at week one this year, you have a lot of conference matchups. You have the intersectional matchups, power programs, Alabama against mm. Clemson. Obviously, looks like that's going to be the main event in Charlotte. You have Miami, the U against Alabama. So, you've got a lot of really big-time matchups in week one, and that's what the fans want to see.
4: No question. And, you know, I was going to go Big 12 first, but you keep on talking about your Hoosiers. So, we'll just go, <laughs> we'll just go Big 12. I'm
5: sorry. Time. I have a tendency we'll to do big- that. But, hey,
4: they did have, like, one of the biggest surprises of all of college football last year was your team. So I'm, I am I want to know from you, what's the update on Michael Penix? Is he going to be healthy this year?
5: He looks like he is. He was at the uh, Manning Passing Academy down in New Orleans, and there were videos leaked of him and posted on social media. Looked like he was throwing the ball. His arm looked very strong. He looked sharp. So I think when you look at the win total, though, I've seen some eights out there. I think that's a little bit of a jump for Indiana, even though there is clear momentum with this program. But they have to play a tough schedule. Obviously, you're in that tougher division, so you got Ohio State at home. you got to go to Penn State, which is a revenge game, because remember that that week there, Penn State gained the lead late, and they totally outplayed Indiana. And then Michael Penix reaching for that pylon. Was his knee down? Was his knee not down? Who knows, by the mind, Indiana got the win. But nevertheless, that's setting Penn State kind of mm-hmm. in a tailspin in that conference. So I think Penn State maybe could be a rebound team in the East. I don't know if they have enough to eclipse Ohio State. But Ohio State might be a team because if you look at them, I think they're like minus 200 minus two and My a quarter here yep. at BetMGM to go ahead and win the Big Ten. And rightfully so, they don't – what's that old cliche? They don't rebuild, they reload. Mm-hmm. But – The bottom line is, you now have a new quarterback. You have a new freshman quarterback that's going to start here. You have a lot of personnel to replace on offense, even though your two best receivers are back. The defense wasn't quite a championship-level defense, but the offense was so good Mm -hmm. with Justin Fields and company that you were able to kind of mask that a little bit. So, maybe Ohio State could be a little bit gettable early because they have uh, some starters. Like, one thing I'm going to bet week one, I'm going to take Minnesota plus 14 at home against Ohio State, and I could end up looking looking like I have egg on my face here, but Minnesota was the real disappointing team, by the way, last year uh, with uh, P.J. Fleck. You know they won 11 games in 2019, and P.J. Fleck does the kind of row the boat, row the boat that he used to do at Western Michigan. Well, Michigan came in there week one and sunk their battleship, essentially, just (laughs) smashed them on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and that was a Michigan team that turned out not to be very good that didn't even go to a bowl game last year. So Minnesota might have been too much too soon. They're kind of my dark horse in the west ohio state should win this conference but usually we'd be used to seeing ohio state minus like four dollars or something because there's that much of a gap in terms of talent in terms of the personnel that they recruit
4: yep minus 225 for the conference plus 600 to win the national title minnesota by the way their wins total on the year set at seven and their conference odds 25 to one in terms of ohio state though like ryan day is yet to lose a regular season game in 2 years in Columbus. Something
5: Urban Meyer never did by the way.
4: Very, but so that's why I'm curious, like that win total 11 like that's something that whenever the teams that are at the top of the conference and they have mm-hmm. these big win totals like I always just stay away from that personally yeah. just because you never really do know although it's been established that Ohio State has had success.
5: I think you either stay away or maybe you go to the under and say okay they're going to lose a game because it's so hard because you're basically with these totals at Ohio State at 11. I've seen Clemson at 11 and a half. You're basically saying, okay, these teams are going undefeated. So that's basically what you're betting here at this standpoint. Uh, Look, the path's not easy, though, early for Ohio State. That opener at Minnesota, I expect they win, but I think that's a little trickier than maybe it looks on paper. You get Oregon in the second week, so that's an Oregon team, then can they finally make the step up to be a legitimate playoff contender? We know Mario Cristobal is really recruiting well out there, but Mm -hmm. they haven't gotten it done on the field. New quarterback now, Anthony Brown, the graduate transfer from Boston College, going to take over because Tyler Shuck is now at Texas Tech, so you've also got Ohio State traveling to Indiana. Indiana should be big time up for that game, probably a sold out crowd, which Indiana hadn't had a lot over the years, but now tickets are going in demand because there's actual expectations. Uh-huh. for indiana and then of course they go to michigan and we'll see how michigan's able to rebound I I think that this is probably a team 11 probably seems right Stormy maybe they lose one game but you worry about the landmines on that schedule so usually with these teams I'm either going to stay go under or I'm going to stay away
4: Right on and for your Hoosiers we'll have to see if uh, their offense can get help in the form of 24 turnovers again cuz that was a
5: uh, and that's what you <laughs> that's a good point that you brought up actually Stormy cuz from college football handicapping one of the things that you worry about is if a team had a real big plus turnover margin The year before And sometimes that's going to regress to the opposite a little bit or a team that, you know, was minus 10 or 12 in turnover margin. They're usually positive regression candidates where it's like, okay, maybe they caught some shaky breaks. Now they're going to work on that because they're going to work on the ball security. So Indiana, in terms of their win total, I did not go over seven and a half. I'd be more willing to go over than eight. I mm-hmm. think eight has kind of been the, but this is a team that has always had a season win total of like five and a half mm-hmm. or six. And now you take that leap and it's like, this is a program that now has expectations. They're not used to having expectations. Mm-hmm. So how are they going to fare? Obviously week one at Iowa, one of the better matchups on the college football slate, that's going to determine, I think how the season's going to go.
4: Yeah. How you handle expectations when you're not used to them is always something unique. When you see a team coming in for next year, you mentioned how things went awry a little bit bit for Penn State last year, but prior to that four and five season in 2020, James Franklin's programs have won at least 11 games, three out of the last four seasons. So I see that going up again this year. I'm not sure how I feel about that eight and a half number. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win 11 games, but given the landscape of college football this year and, you know, the super senior Mm -hmm. rule that we have going on, teams are are returning more players, more starting players than ever before this year.
5: And if I look at Penn State here, obviously they were beset by problems, losing that game at Indiana. They started Mm 0-5, which was the worst in program Mm -hmm. history. Now they did win their last four but they opted out of the bowl game a lot of schools did that you know just emotionally draining and I can kind of understand that having to constantly be tested and you know different little restrictions within the team James Franklin for his part was separated from his family his daughter has sickle cell disease so you know obviously with COVID-19 going around and, and dealing with the immune system he was separated from his family so I'm sure that pretty much wore on him emotionally and he took a lot of heat and look when you're a Penn State head coach, and you don't perform to Penn State standards, you're going to take heat, and rightfully so. But what Franklin did, he brought in Mike Yersic in from Texas, the offensive coordinator, Kirk Syraka fired after one season. such is going to try to do kind of more of an up tempo offense, just, you know, and that's kind of the name of the game in college football anyway. And you see it in your mm-hmm. reporting. You saw it with BYU many times last year, as you mentioned get up to the line of scrimmage, run as many plays as you can. Like That's kind of the offensive philosophy for a lot of these teams, and I think that's what Penn State is going to try to do with Sean Clifford, who regressed a little bit last season. It's like, okay, let's make his decision-making time a little bit quicker so he doesn't have to think too much. Uh, So You've got a loaded core in the backfield. You've got good receivers. The defense was not as good last year as it's been. It was actually the worst in, I think, Franklin's tenure at Penn State, but I do think this team is going to improve. Now, they get thrown into the fire right away, though, because they have to play at Wisconsin. You can see on that graphic mm-hmm. the uh, the second choice or the second highest win total in terms of the Big Ten and the second choice from a Big Ten conference future standpoint. So you got to go to Wisconsin. You also have to go to Iowa on the road. But you do get Indiana in a, re- a revenge game at home. You go to Ohio State. So I lean a little bit toward the eight and a half, but I think that number is probably right. I think it's a 50 50 mm-hmm. proposition, but I would expect Penn State is going to rebound from last season.
4: A couple more minutes here as we uh, shift gears to the Big 12. I told you I'd get to it eventually, but I wanted to make sure we got that in. I know, real. we got
5: to <laughs> say, The conference still exists, <laughs> I right?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. it. was our guy Tim Murray actually who posted the, um, the, Big, the eight Big Eight, <laughs> eight? Yes. logo the other day. Loved that. Big fan. Um, in terms of the Big 12, though, Oklahoma obviously the heavy favorite. Minus 175 to win the conference. Their win total at 11. I know you said you like them in your betting preview that you put together for our college football betting guide. But if somebody is going to give them the biggest competition in the conference, is it Iowa State or where else do you see it?
5: It probably is Iowa State. I don't think anybody is really going to get in their way in terms of winning this conference. But if I'm looking at the middle of the board a little bit, maybe on the win totals or of course who could be a little bit of a live underdog, at least a little bit better than expected. I think T TCU is finally going to get back to playing good defense under Gary Patterson. I like Max Duggan. He had some injuries last year. And TCU, of course, a lot of their season, a lot of the team seasons were disrupted by COVID. But I think TCU, it's got an easy non-conference schedule, all winnable games. Uh, You know, Max Duggan is showing some development. I think TCU – gets back to kind of where they're winning seven and eight games like they used to. So they're a team that I think could be a little bit under the radar in terms of finishing better than they're expected. Also, Texas Tech, I like that over win total at five because Tyler Shuck comes in at quarterback from Oregon. Sonny Comby is a a pretty good offensive coordinator. They run a fast tempo. Texas Tech has always ran that, whether it was Mike Leach or whether it was Cliff Kingsbury there. So the, the, the offense had actually slowed a little bit. So they're trying to speed it back up. So I like this addition. This is Matt Wells' third year at Texas Tech, of course, coming uh, from Utah State. So, you know, Texas Tech is a team that I think will go over their win total, but Oklahoma clearly the team to beat if they can just be like okay on defense you know the offense under Lincoln Riley is always going to be one of the tops in the country if they can just you know get a couple stops a game and and not get you know ran through like sometimes they can do but Alex Grinch who is the former Ohio State defensive coordinator it showed a little bit improvement late in the season but it's like when you get against those elite offenses in the playoffs when you go against those Alabamas of the world you got to be able to get stops
4: yeah obviously six Conference titles in a row now for Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler seems to be the real deal. But yeah, you, you talk about that defense. And they ha- even though they haven't been great, they have improved each of the last two years. So in my mind, if they just continue on that trajectory and don't come backwards, they should be Because they're
5: going to score 40 and 50 mm-hmm. points pretty much every single game.
4: Yeah, no question. So um, plenty of stuff more to cover. Um, we're we're going to step aside from college football, I think, when we come back, though. Um, actu- uh, actually, I changed my mind. I like Heisman hopefuls. Do you like okay. Heisman hopefuls? I'm
5: good with Heisman hopefuls.
4: Let's get into that when we come back here on the Lombardi line. Um, good stuff from the Big 12 and Big 10. Plenty more to cover throughout the courses. we got some baseball action. And, of course, our guy Josh Applebaum later here in Hour 2 is going to give us some baseball picks. So stay with us on v the Sports Betting Network. To the Lombardi Line, live at our Veasan Studio at the South Point. I'm Stormy Bonantoni, along with Wes Reynolds, and as we were in the break, breaking news that Alex Ovechkin will be returning to the Washington Capitals. We all knew that this is something that would get done, but now it is finalized.
5: And this is per uh, Alexander Ovechkin returning to the Capitals, as you mentioned, per Alexander per Ovechkin, Alex and Ovechkin. then uh, <laughs> confirmed by all the major, great national hockey journalists in the United States and Canada, both. But five-year extension with the Caps, this is per Pierre. LeBron, five-year deal worth $9.5 annually, so $47.5 million. Alexander Ovechkin, of course, was the more high-profile free agents. His free agency, in essence, gets started tomorrow, but Alexander Ovechkin will not be one of them. He will be back. Uh, quote, I'm back, D.C., <laughs> hashtag all caps, at OV8 on the Twitter.
4: That's what I was about to say. I was like, I don't know if you actually had a chance to see the tweet, anyone listening, but... Uh, five exclamation points, all caps, in his hashtag, and all caps. One
5: exclamation <laughs> point for each year, he's getting about $10 million for.
4: Well, I wonder if that I was I would strategic. have about
5: 1,000 exclamation <laughs> points for that.
4: No, but g- good for OV and good for the Washington Capitals to continue that. And, I mean, we all know at this point the historic – types of years and numbers that he has put up for that organization. So fun to see that continue.
5: Yeah, and a sore spot, though, we remember him carrying that Stanley Cup through the MGM Grand you Lobby. Know,
4: I wasn't going to bring up that Stanley Cup final at all. I know. I'm Why'd just like, like knifing everybody
5: there? here in this city. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're, we're saying goodbye to our friend Flower, and then yeah. I bring that up. Uh, sorry for the uh, the machete to the heart of the city in Vegas Golden Knights Nation.
4: Yeah, that news, by the way, though, has been finalized um, Um, And expressed by the organization on Twitter, the Vegas Golden Knights said, this organization, this city, and this fan base will forever be grateful to Marc-Andre Fleury for the impact he's had on and off the ice in just four years. We wish Marc-Andre and his family the best in this new chapter of of their lives. Um, Flower, of course, as we said earlier on the show, looks like he'll be going to the Chicago Blackhawks unless ultimately he decides with his family that he would like to retire and um, stay at his home in Vegas.
5: Good for Vegas Golden Knights, giving that man his flowers, so to speak. No pun intended. But look, uh, for what he did here, I mean, he gave the, the franchise a star in a, in a new market where it's like, you know, when you're a new team in a market, it's kind of like, okay, we're excited about it. And then, of course, usually an expansion team, they're not very good right mm-hmm. away. So then it's like, okay, we lose interest. And I was kind of worried that was going to happen the Golden Knights. Well, the Golden Knights said, well, we're just going to be good and go to the Stanley Cup Finals <laughs> to uh, face uh, the aforementioned Alexander Ovechkin. So, you know, I think – he was the first, like, local, big-time professional out, uh, professional team sports star, mm-hmm. I think, because obviously this being the first really major league franchise in town. So he played a big role here, and, and I'm glad he's getting his kudos. Yeah,
4: no no question. He's been the face of the franchise from day one, and I, I know this is even harder, I'm sure, for Golden Knights fans after hearing um, this past offseason the comments that Bill Foley had made to Marc-Andre Fleury saying that you're going to retire a Golden mm. Knight, you're going to finish your career here. Um, so definitely done. Uh, tough, but um, General Manager of the Golden Knights Kelly McCrimmon will be holding a press conference at noon today to address the marc Andre Fleury situation. Um, but yeah, a lot going on in hockey world as free agency gets set to open up tomorrow. Um, but w- I have a quick challenge for you mm-hmm. in college football. Okay, so give you a hundred dollars, and you can bet any Heisman Trophy winner potential if you want. Are you splitting up the money? Are you betting your hundred dollars on one player? How do you want to do it?
5: I'm going to split it up a little bit, and one I'm going to use is the chalk, Spencer Rattler. Of course, we were talking Mm -hmm. about Oklahoma in the last segment. It was a little bit too much too soon for him when he was replacing. And look who you've had to replace. You've had Kyler Murray and you've had Baker Mayfield. Like Oklahoma's always had that impact transfer quarterback over the years, Jalen Hurts as well. So there was only going to be a natural transition period. But I think he is going to be the quarterback that everybody thought he was going to be when he was recruited there. So Rattler, I'd have to use a piece of. I also like Sam Howell at North Carolina. I think he's going to put up big time numbers. But we know the Heisman obviously is going to be biased it's not always necessarily the best player because the best player in college football might be on an 8-4 team. But the bottom line, he's on an 8-4 team, mm-hmm. so you don't often see that get rewarded. So that's why you're seeing you know, some of the unknown commodities in terms of C.J. Stroud with a short price because he's the Ohio State quarterback, so he's going to go ahead and put up numbers. Uh, but Rattler and Howell would be two guys I would be using. Uh, in terms of a dark horse down the board, boy, boy I'm looking and I'm trying to find <laughs> one because we all want to find that 40 or 50 to 1 or longer like we have with Devontae Smith at Alabama because usually it's a quarterback-driven award, and I think it gets back to being a quarterback-driven award this year.
4: I do like the Sam Howell pick down at is to 16-1 for North Carolina. I think if anybody could give Clemson a little bit of a run for their money, as hard as that is, especially mm-hmm. given the – you saw the schedule that Clemson had, right?
5: Yeah, it's an easy Come one. On. They don't play North Carolina in the regular season, Crazy. so UNC – might get them in the ACC title game.
4: Stick with us right here on the Lombardi line. This is v the Sports Betting Network. College football betting guide is here. Start your football season on the right foot with our expert analysis and picks for conference champions, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff teams, plus power ratings for every team. Now is also a great time to get your all-access Vsin subscription, including our college and pro football betting guides, along with everything we offer for the entire football season. Get your college betting guide for only $19.99, or start your free all-access trial today at vsin.com slash subscribe. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. Tony. He's Wes Reynolds. We are here on the Lombardi Line at our recent Studio at the South Point. This show, as always, presented by BetMGM. And I, just real quickly, like you obviously had a big part in the college football betting guide. What conferences did you end up covering?
5: I did do the Big Ten. I did the American and a little bit, of, and I also did the ACC. Uh, so a lot of us have done different conferences. Myself, Matt Humans, Bruce Marshall, mm-hmm. JVT, Tim Murray contributed. So we've got that. We've got a lot of other features, including a Heisman breakdown, which teams we expect to improve on their season win. I know new coaches are going to be listed. What were the good hires? What were maybe the questionable hires? So all of that and more in the Vsin college football betting guide coming out later this week.
4: That thing was so helpful to me last year. So uh, excited to see what you all put together this year. Uh, wanted to talk about the Olympics again, just because men's Olympic basketball for the U.S. Invincible, no more no, Team USA. This is this yeah, no tough. longer
5: 1992, my friends. <laughs>
4: They in that game against France, their first Olympic loss since 2004. After 25 straight wins, mm-hmm. their first one. Um, so, wh- where do they go from here? What do you think?
5: Well, one of the things they go from here is is today is to. Uh beat iran beat by as much as you can <laughs> and by as much as you can looks like it's going to be a lot based on the point spread here team usa currently at bet mgm 40 and a half there's some 40s and 39 and a halves also in the market but if i'm playing this game the way i am going to play it would be like the first quarter minus 11 and a half first half minus 20 and a half because if they if they blitzkrieg these guys here they're they're eventually probably going to try to rest guys because look they do have three players now everybody played in that first mm-hmm. game against France, but they do have three players that were late getting over there that haven't really had a lot mm-hmm. of time with their teammates, that being, of course, the three players that were in the NBA they Finals. They a little busy. Chris Middleton, Devin Booker, and Drew Holiday, despite the fact that Drew Holiday was probably the best player on Team USA in that game against France, a nice fourth quarter, but Team USA, of course, gave up that 16-2 run at the end to France, so now 0-1 in pool play. This is a team that's still going to take a lot of threes. I would expect that they're going to get some positive for shooting regression. And look, Team USA, how interested they are is going to determine whether they cover this spread. 40 points, a lot of points. I don't care what the matchup is. That's yes. a lot. So that's why I would probably be looking at first half or first quarter. Now you're seeing them in terms of the overall odds to win gold at two, minus 250. That was kind of a little bit in my target range. I do already have a ticket on Australia at uh, like 12 to 1. I know some people like JVT got 20 to 1. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I will wait for the markets when they open. But. I also have Australia to win a medal. So I think Australia... If Team USA can start to get this right and and really stay the favorite again, Australia looks to be the team that I think is the most in their way because I think Spain, by reputation, is up there. But they're a little bit older. Mm -hmm. They now have the Gasols. They have Rudy Fernandez, Sergio Rodriguez. These are all guys uh, in their late 30s and into their 40s. So, look, father time catches up with everybody. So, that's why I felt Australia was the real main opposition and also a team that's drifted after Luca had 48 points on Sunday night with Slovenia, and look, I, I don't know. Maybe they're a medal contender. I don't know if they're a gold medal contender, but Luca looked like if they would have left him in the game, had a chance to break Oskar Schmidt's record in 1988 from Brazil. He had 55 against the Spanish team over there in Seoul, so they did not leave Luca, but Luca was basically doing what he wants. He's a really tough guard, so yeah. Slovenia's odds have now shortened a little bit.
4: Your knowledge of history, by the way, just stunning thing. i
5: know a lot about a little stormy <laughs> <laughs> story of i know my a life. lot about nothing
4: story of my life hey but i, I want to say though like france is not a bad team i know that it's it seems like a brutal loss considering how how much above the, the U S team should be against the rest of the field. But mm-hmm. France is a team that won bronze at the world cup. They're obviously not on par with talent yet of the Americans, but um, I, I don't think that's like as brutal as a loss as everybody has made yeah. it out to be here so far. And Australia JVT is really big on Australia mm-hmm. right now. And obviously mm-hmm. they just blew out the Nigeria team that beat the U S in that exhibition a week or so ago.
5: Yeah. And if I could flip back to France, just yeah. though momentarily, cause it's an early morning game. I think it's eight, Eastern time tomorrow morning, five out here on the West Coast. I'd be looking to go against France actually here in this spot. They're playing the Czech Republic. They're laying about nine and a half. It may eventually go up to ten. But you know, when you beat Team USA and you have that run at the end, now it's like you could it's like there's a come down from that because Evan Fournier had this huge game. France trailed most of the game, even though they were never really out of it. But now you pull out one of the biggest wins in your nation's basketball history. But did it tell us more about Team USA, or did it tell us more about Team France? Well, books seem to think that, look, okay, the French are a real medal contender here, and they still might be, but this is not a team that's really had a lot of Olympic success. They've been six in the last two Olympics. They actually had lost four games in a row in these exhibitions coming into Tokyo. So I think now getting priced at nine and a half, I'd be interested in uh, Tomas Sadoransky in the Czech Republic. I think that's a big number tomorrow morning.
4: Okay. Do you have any thoughts on the Nigeria-Germany one that's coming up? As I said, Nigeria beat the U.S. in that exhibition that was leading up to the Olympic start. Nigeria is favored by four and a half.
5: Nigeria's been a little bit of a disappointment because I think when... Or maybe it was unrealistic expectations, because remember when they beat Team USA? I think it was actually that night of the uh, Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight here in Las Vegas. I can't,
4: we can't talk about that anymore, because every time you say it, I just envision the ankle, and I can't do it.
5: <laughs> sorry, sorry for the visual uh, there on that one. But anyway, because we were all kind of shocked in there, because we were like, wow, they lost to Nigeria. They were almost 30-point favorites, I think 28-and-a-half at William Hill. And... Uh, you know we kind of thought well maybe this Nigeria team has got about six or seven NBA players is for real and then they got spanked in the fourth quarter by Australia it was a close game through the first three quarters but then Australia pulled away so uh, uh, they're getting Germany but look Germany last time out they had a big lead over Italy and Italy ended Mm -hmm. up not only winning but covering late here so could be a rebound here for Nigeria who by by, by the way their women's team played our team very hard on the women's Mm -hmm. side only a nine point game for Team USA so probably the money is moving in the right direction with nigeria here but no bet for me
4: what do you think about three-on-three basketball i thought i was gonna hate it love it
5: i do too i do too because it is played it looked at first i thought i was going to be watching handball at that short <laughs> because every year stormy when i watch the olympics And I fall in love with handball. I'm like, how is this sport not popular here in the United States? I know, but but then I realize we have football and basketball and baseball, and it would get dwarfed in terms of the coverage. But it's like this sport is freaking awesome.
4: I agree. Handball, it's it's you got to be a gamer to play handball. I've been pretty invested in pickleball replays as well. I didn't know that that was a thing, but maybe
5: soon to be an Olympic sport. We'll see at the IFC. Yeah,
4: it's I I like it. I say we go for it. Josh Applebaum (laughs) on the other side. Stay with us on the Lombardi line. on your favorite sports with a risk-free first wager up to $600 at BetMGM. Just sign up using bonus code VEASAN600 and get in the game with the king of sportsbooks. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use promo code VEASAN600 to make your first bet risk-free up to $600. New customer offers paid in free free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C. or West Virginia. Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia and Washington, D.C. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania and West Virginia and 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, you can call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome into the Lombardi Line Presented by none other than BetMGM. I'm Stormy Bonantoni, along with Wes Reynolds. And now, for some market insights, we bring in our favorite steam engine, our guy Josh Applebaum. How's it going, pal?
1: Oh, it's going great, Stormy. Wes, great to be with you. Happy Tuesday. And Stormy, before we get into a lot of baseball today, some Aaron Rodgers talk as well. I just want to send my condolences, Mark andre Fleury. I know you're a big Vegas fan. You do the sideline reporter, seeing this trade. What's going on? I mean, I'm in Boston, Tuka Rask, we're in the same situation he's injured, he's a free agent, is he coming back? Are they just turning the page to Leonard Stormy? What do you think of this? I I had to ask you.
4: Yeah, it's been tough. I I think that is the case, though. Wes and I got into it a little bit earlier, just saying that, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury is obviously the older goaltender. He's the heavier cap hit at $7 million a year, and it's just something that for the team, especially one that's been up against the cap for the last couple of years now to get a little bit of leeway and see what they're going to do. It is unfortunate, though, because, as you said, he's so beloved. He's the reigning Vesna Trophy winner. So um, it's uh, some heartbreak for Golden Knights fans in this city, for sure, and somebody who I've grown um, close to and care about a lot as a human being. So it's, it's, it's a bummer for sure. But all while I'm sad, Packers fans are probably very happy right now, as you alluded to, that Aaron Rodgers showed up to training camp today.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right, Stormy. So uh basically yesterday, I mean, it was just insane here. You know, I, I'm a reporter by nature and trying to report this, you know, the futures, the win totals, the movement with Aaron Rodgers. This saga has been back and forth, really tough to track here. We're starting to see obviously uh Aaron Rodgers report to training camp. Things are solidifying here. You go back to that Friday night at Circa and give a shout out to Circa here. Uh, everyone with the news of possibly Aaron Rodgers retiring. Now there's a source there that he may not show up to training camp. He may retire. We saw those win totals plummet at circa 11 down to eight and a half we're saying okay jordan love era is here obviously they come to an agreement it seems to me he's kind of following that tom brady playbook here where uh last year in new england brady said hey don't franchise me give me a bump in salary let me walk if i want to walk so maybe it's the last year with Rodgers, the last dance quote unquote but stormy big movement here uh aaron Rodgers, number one is mvp odds didn't change plus 800 overall but super bowl odds have improved plus 1600 down to plus 1200 to win the nfc plus 800 down to plus 550 and then to win the north uh, it was kind of funny and i saw on twitter a lot of people were saying like rest in peace uh you know vikings futures here because i think the big thing with rogers maybe leaving was uh jump on the jump on the vikings here they're going to be the the team to bet on there in that nfc north obviously now that's gone you have green bay back as the favorite to win that division minus 165 but aside from the future stormy and west I'm looking at that week one line because uh, there was an opportunity yesterday. A lot of these numbers are off the board now, but you saw actually Green Bay at New Orleans week one. It got to New Orleans minus three at home. And you saw before a lot of these lines came off the board, a lot of wise guys jumped on. And this was a great number if you got it, Packers plus three at New Orleans. Now I'm seeing a lot of these numbers down to two, down to a pick them. I see some shops, believe it or not, and we're going to have to get these updated numbers that could be moving to Packers minus two. Packers minus three so this move is just uh, huge obviously it's all based on Aaron Rodgers but maybe the saga finally coming to an end here here he's going to play and obviously now uh, the futures are finally solidifying here and if he jumped on the Packers getting any of the the key number plus three you're feeling great right now I think the Packers are going to become a favorite there in that week one game and Josh
5: you mentioned it and I actually saw a couple three and a halves out there over the weekend but now Circus Sports now minus two and a half on the Green Bay Packers Westgate Superbook now has just posted minus three so books are kind of maneuvering this spot right now but one more question in terms of the futures like on the Super Bowl futures with this news and the obvious adjustment on Green Bay have you seen any teams kind of that ripple effect drift up we know Tampa Bay was the favorite and still is really in the NFC. Have you seen a couple teams that might've been adjusted a little bit upwards now, not necessarily the bottom teams, but some of the contenders like the Rams and the 49ers and such.
1: Yeah. So I think the adjustment here, Wes, and again, a lot of, it's tough to find right now. We're starting to get more information, but still a lot of these books are off the board. A lot of books, including BetMGM, a lot of the futures in that division are still not up, uh, but I think you're just seeing a trickle down effect of, obviously with Rodgers coming back here, going with the Packers, you're seeing some of these contenders that maybe had an opening here. You know, the Rams, the 49ers, some of these uh, some of these teams here, in that NFC West that's really competitive, dropping down a little bit here. So the updated odds, you're looking at Rams plus 550, 49ers plus 550, you know, they were I think around like 500 or 450 with this Rogers, you know, questionable status here. So I think the, the trickle down effect is uh, with Rodgers coming back, maybe these contenders that you said, hey, if he's not playing, Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, these teams maybe have an opening. Looks like that opening may be closing here with Rodgers going back to Green Bay.
4: Yeah, and just historically, uh, kind of cool to see that he's going to make history for a Packers quarterback, given that, you know, Bart Starr played 16 seasons, Brett Favre played 16 seasons, Aaron Rodgers about to enter season number 17. So, uh, Packers fans, once again, the Cheeseheads are happy that he showed up for day one of training camp. Um, I, we have to get to some MLB games. There's a 15 game slate out there today. Um, I know you liked something here in this Dodgers and Giants game.
1: Yeah, Stormy, huge day in MLB today, 15 games across the board, a lot of all game, no day games. So on the one hand, it's like, I'd love to sweat some day games. On the other hand, hey, we got a big night slate where we can just let these bets build up. If you're a data-minded better, we have more data to go off of for these night games. So first one that caught my eye, guys, San Francisco Giants. You know, Giants really had an amazing series at the Dodgers uh, just a few days ago. They took three of four. They were down in the ninth a couple times. They had some walk-offs against or uh, or some come-from-behind wins against Kenley Jansen. I'm looking at a shot here grabbing some plus money with the Giants. This line move it opened around Dodgers with Urias on the bump going against uh, Webb here. Dodgers open around minus one thirty, and the public's kind of split. They like the Dodgers. They still it's the, still that Dodgers mindset and aura and bias. Whereas the Giants, they're having a great year, but I don't know if people are still believing in them. They're kind of waiting for uh, you know the shoe to drop. It hasn't dropped yet. I think it's a good spot to grab the Giants. Dodgers open minus 130. They're down to minus 120. I see some books down to minus 115, guys. So this line is really moving here toward the Giants at home. They've been good against lefties, 17 and 13. They've been good as a dog, 23 and 19. Also been great at home, 31 and 15. One of the best home records here. Uh, So look at this one. The one system play I like home dogs in baseball. You're getting that home field advantage. You're a dog. Public may be leaning on the favorite. This buy low spot, it's 243 and 281, only a 46% win rate. You'd be up almost 27 units playing these home dogs because you're getting these plus money payouts. So I'm looking at taking a shot here with the Giants here plus money at home.
5: And uh, Stormy and Josh, this is a really busy time now. We talked about the NBA draft earlier. NHL free agency of scores starts tomorrow. MLB trade deadline is Friday, and we're going to stay in the NL West kind of on that theme here, Josh. We just talked about the Dodgers and Giants, but the team that might really need to make a move is San Diego Padres here because they are starting to fall back a little bit in this division now five and a half back at 58 and 44. Everybody's kind of been waiting for that other shoe to drop on the Giants. It has not dropped as of yet but the Padres 58 and 44. We'll see what they do if they get some bullpen reinforcements, especially Jay Stengler's use that bullpen a lot this season, but they have taken the money here against James Caprillian and the Oakland A's who of course they got some bullpen help last night. Andrew Chafin coming in in a trade from the Chicago Cubs, but But Padres getting the money here. It looks like uh, bettors are expecting some positive regression for Chris Paddock.
1: You're exactly right, Wes. And, you know, we have seen the Padres make a a pretty decent move, I thought, getting Adam Frazier there from the Pirates, a guy who can play different Mm -hmm. positions, second baseman, play some outfield. He's actually leading Major League Baseball in hits this year. So adding him to that lineup, I think, was a really sneaky good move for the Padres. But, Wes, one thing I noticed here is, Tickets are split down the middle. Public doesn't know what to do. They see see two pretty good home teams. They respect the Padres, but then they're like, hey, I can get plus 140 with the A's here. Why don't, you know, what am I going to do? Anytime I see a split ticket count, To me, theoretically, a line shouldn't move at all if the wagers are even, but we know that not all wagers are equal in terms of money. So uh, if you have a split ticket count, yet a line move, that's an indication that those bigger wagers are siding with the line move. That's what's happening here with the Padres. They open, a lot of these shops are around minus 130. They've been steamed up close to minus 150. A couple system matches here, interleague line moves, especially with home teams, you got to play the style of ball in their, uh, you know, in their, um, uh, just the side of the conference. Uh, around 59% so far this year, steam or 10 cents or more non division home team, those are 62%. So I'll be looking at the Padres here, it, it raises eyebrows that the tickets are even. Yet this big move to San Diego tells me maybe those sharper wagers are on the Padres tonight.
4: One more for you, Josh, before we get out of here. The Cincinnati Reds travel to take on the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Cubs are 31-18 home games here uh, this year. Um, What do you think about this one, NL, NL Central matchup?
1: Yeah, big move here to the Cubs, Stormy. We saw the Cubs open around minus 150. They're all the way up to, like, minus 180. That's a big move here. You know, on the one hand, you get heartburn. You say, I'm late to the party. Am I chasing steam at this point? What I like about this one is that the public's actually leaning on the the Reds here. Big plus money. They have about the same record, pretty much even record. Yet the big move here to the Cubs. So, uh, Cubs have been great at home, 31 and 18. They've been a good home team. They've struggled on the road. Also, it, you know, under the lights at Wrigley, 14 and 9, 61%. This uh, would also match big steam on a home team off a win, 15 cents or more, 59%. So, uh, the Cubbies, you know, it was funny last night, guys. You see Baez with that walk off hit. Uh, it took him 16 seconds to go from home to first. A guy running home to first is about three seconds. So uh, he really pimped that thing. We'll we'll see maybe if he gets a, is there a prop on will he get bean tonight? That's what I would look for.
5: I would assume yes uh, on the red side. And we have one team, obviously, that looks like a bit of a seller to the Chicago Cubs. And then one team, that being my team, the Cincinnati Reds, that are about to be a seller because they're falling way back of the Milwaukee Brewers
4: right I didn't now. I know you're a Reds guy.
5: I am a Reds guy.
4: Mm, there you go. Hey, Josh, thanks so much for coming on. We'll see you again tomorrow, correct?
1: Absolutely, Stormy. Appreciate it. Have a good day, guys. Thanks, Josh.
4: Thanks so much, buddy. Well, that's going to do it for us on the Lombardi Line. This is a chocked – we had breaking news. Yeah. We had everything.
5: And your day's not done. You've got to go cover this press conference with the uh, Marc-Andre Fleury yeah. uh, saying goodbye to Las Vegas.
4: <laughs> on to the presser. Thanks to Wes Reynolds, our producer Stephanie Kamershack. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. That's going to do it for the Lombardi Line.